Good evening, good evening, good evening. Thank you for joining us for another KG, Fifth Ward, Wildcat, and Doc podcast. We got a lot on our plates. Let's get right into it. Gentlemen, how are you? Doing just fine, doing just fine. Today is Sunday. It's a good day. I'm doing well. Literally just getting off the plane uh, from Portland, Oregon. Long trip. How many hours? Long week. How many hours? Coming back. I know going out there is short, but... How did, it, how did it feel coming back? Man, it's just, it's just exhausting in some ways. But I'm here. I'm surviving. All right. Stopped in Denver. Oh. Um, huh. So it, it oh, yeah. It, that's not a bad stop. I've been there since Wednesday. Presented three research papers. Uh, was in front of the committee to award a student, both at the doctoral level and at the uh, master's level. That's for the NOS Conference, North American Society of Sports Sociologists. And so I presented one solo paper, research paper that I completed, and then two papers where I teamed with fellow professors across the country. So it was a good trip. A lot of good things there. Portland, intriguing uh, town. Very nice. They have these little food eateries, kind of reminds you of what we see over there, what they're doing with the food trucks off of uh, Almeda over mm-hmm. here in Houston. Oh, yeah. You can tell they must have been doing it for a while. So they have them lined up downtown on about four or five streets. Uh, but uh, very tasty cuisine, very clean, very tasty, a lot of variety, very inexpensive. So uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Went over to Portland uh, State University, walked on the campus, nice little campus. Nice city uh, in a lot of ways, a lot of ways. Let's get right into discussion. All right. Rockette, the floor is yours. Talk about some kudos to soccer teams. I tell you, the local programs here in the in the greater Houston area and inside the city limits got it th- done this week- weekend. And the women led them to the, leading them to the tournament, to the tournament land. Preview won the swack by way of Howard being in transition, a transition member into the swack in women's, so- uh, women's soccer. Score was 2-1. The Panthers, Lady Panthers are tournament bound. Uh, everybody will find their positions and where they'll head off to for uh, uh, regional or what a uh, uh, tournament play on Monday. Uh, HBU, their women and uh, needed to win the, the uh, conference tournament, which was held in Beaumont this week. They needed to win the Southland, and they beat uh, SFA. What is that final score now? Uh, today don't see it. Oh, uh, still don't see it. But they, uh, but the uh, HBU women, they won the uh, uh, the uh, Southlands women tournament t- uh, this today, and they have a watch party scheduled on Monday at uh, 3:30 p.m. at the bar on HBU campus. And HBU folk- won two nil. Two nil. Oh, yeah. shut up. Oh, my goodness. They had a thing. Reading a little bit of the press release uh, that I. Got an email. Uh, SFA had a 14-match winning streak, and they were the top seed. HBU into that. HBU was the third seed. So, upset. Kudos to the to the Huskies for the two-nil victory in their first. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wildcat, their first Southland Southland Conference championship. Yes, sir. In school yeah, history. They they made a they made a move, as they say. They made a move. And last but not least, one more. Last but not least, not least, hootie who. Conference USA Women's Soccer Championship 2014 are the Lady Rice are the Rice Owls. 
they are uh, be headed off to uh, uh, to tournament play scheduled next week. So kudos to everybody in, in, involved on women's soccer. Apparently, I missed something in the recruiting uh, last two, uh, what two to three years ago, for recruiting class because senior play has been what it, it, it seems to be from what uh, the coach and uh, the men's coach at HBU and I talked about on, in the final part of the. Uh, post-game interview, because of the fact that HBU women won, uh, somewhere along the way, turn, uh, club soccer for women has gotten better on the high school level, and you can't do without it just because, you know, it's, it's some state programs, some high school programs are just not at a on par to where you can get a real competitive tournament in playoffs in high schools, but summer camp, and club play pretty much is where it's at. And kudos to all three teams. They got it done. Quite a few uh, 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 local kids are on the, on the programs, and I'll have further information on that tomorrow, especially when I go to Rice for the uh, weekly football coaches luncheon. Rice Owls, they won uh, homecoming this weekend. It looks sloppy. It looks sluggish. They pulled it out 17-7. They're bowl eligible. Now it's just finishing out the season. And they head off the road, or head out, head down the road now to play Marshall, and pretty much it'll be like it was last at the last year's championship game. It'll be a rock'em sock'em, and folks, somebody's got to win. How did the uh, Cougars do, sir? The Cougars did not win homecoming. Sadly, sadly and disappointing was one of the low points of my Saturday after I got to win homecoming. Exactly, got to win homecoming. Two th- two games are always mentioned in a board meeting. And we all have, have sat in on one of those at least once. Got to beat your rival. Got to win homecoming. That's it. We'll hold you around for another year if you can get them two in the first time you get the job. Yeah, we you can get talk the about the rest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's hard to talk about anything you can't get those. No, man. So in that sense, the fact that they are being lost homecoming, maybe it's not a bad thing. Maybe it'll speed up his exit all, out of all here. All I know is that they parted up on campus now. They were blocking out streets. Yeah, the, the setup is nice. On our campus, around campus. No, that, I'm talking about on the other end. Right, right, well, whatever. We ain't even talking about all them. You know, you know, so, yeah. Well, there was stuff all around. I hadn't seen it like Homecoming that. Homecoming was, was nice. I saw frats up and down the street. So, yeah, it was it was, it was was going on yesterday. I didn't hang around because I had to go to Rockets, and I was coming from walking in the American Heart Association. Heart walk. Yep. Had so, a good time yesterday. How was your walk? I had a good time. I made it. Doc. It's a longer walk than I thought it would be. It sort of seemed like they changed the course from last year. It could year. be because you don't walk on a regular basis. <laughs> no, like no. I, I've, I've walked. I like that. He said it's a little longer than I thought. I, I walked. This is my third time participating in the walk. Uh-huh. But it just seemed longer than the, last, the first two years. Maybe they, maybe it wasn't um, mapped off correctly distance-wise the first two years, but this one was definitely longer. than Because all of us, we walked as a company. Uh-huh. And we all, all of us remarked, this seemed longer than last year. <laughs> But well, well, young man, y'all in the y'all in the office on a regular basis. But it know? was it wasn't you a know? problem for me, you know. I'm not in pain or and anything. I, I I did my, my bones are feeling fine, so I did my heart uh, heart walk at um, Reliant. We walked through the um, the campus all the way around uh, all three stadiums, so uh, both sta- uh, stadiums in the arena and the convention center. So it was a good day. Yeah, and then this morning I had the uh, rocket run. So, but the I'm Cougar lost football game, 31-24 to Tulane. Turnovers were a, a huge issue. In Again, the, in the ball game, Greg Ward Jr. got the three picks. Ugh. The first two were passes were late timing, crossing patterns were, were deflected. 
and Tulane defenders were able to pick them off. So turnovers were, I mean, you just cannot turn the ball over. And we all have said in previous podcasts that the Cougars defense, yes, they're great at forcing turnovers, but they're not great at really clamping down and stopping teams if when they need to uh, stop opponents. I mean, Tulane had 361 total yards, had 432, but um, one fumble, three picks, you just can't win games like that. You know, Tulane is if I'm wrong, Wildcat, but Tulane is not a great football team. No. Tulane improved to two and six in the act with yesterday's win. So that's a disappointment. Oh, that's even worse. So that's a disappointment for Coach Levine. <coughs> Speaking of, uh, the, the Rice's opponent yesterday was uh, UTSA, and there were comments, and I was coming across the uh, across the bow. UTSA was talking smack before the game, so I, I, oh, saw, yeah. I saw on Twitter that there's, there's, we there's, owe them. We owe the Owls. I'm like, who are you? And they were talking about coming to town and getting uh, getting being. Two, two and oh, two and oh. Well, and, and, you know, it ain't, it ain't my fault that y'all steamrolled the Cougars. You know, hey, Rice is a better football team than the Cougars. Yeah, as UTSA found out Saturday, <laughs> and then seventeen seven lost to the Owls. So, very true. Just real quickly here from a little Back statement from Coach Levine. Okay, uh, quote: Our formula from winning starts with turnovers, not creating them by themselves, but winning the turnover margin. We did not do that today. As I saw, we threw four interceptions, and I think we recovered a fumble. We saved one interception, but we turned the ball over four times. You just can't do that. And, and you know, that's the main reason why they lost the game to a Tulane team. Correct. Tulane is 3-6 and six overall, 2-3 and three in the American. So it's still a bad loss. They only had 1-3 come in Saturday's game. Cougars were in a 5-8 tie for first place in the conference, and this loss, you know, obviously is, is a letdown. But on, on a positive – Basketball. Talk U-Base about it. men's basketball team won their exhibition game Saturday over North Alabama. Six Cougars scored in double figures. But that's how they're going to have to okay. play with a balanced offensive attack and shoot a lot of threes. Coach Sampson has told Wildcat and me, you know, previously in, in interviews, uh, Jerry Stiggers and Dan Red Knowles each scored 20 points. Final score was 108-83. The Cougars open up this 2014-2015 season this Friday on the road at Murray State. And that is going to be a very, very difficult ball game uh-huh. for a young Cougar team to go on the road and try to beat the Racers. So we'll see how that, what happens in Friday's game. Earlier today, Sunday, Wildcat and I were watching, were in side half finals watching the Coach Ron Huey era begin. on the women's side begin. And they defeated Houston Tillotson. Let me make sure I, I get this right. The Cougars scored 100 points. Houston Tillerson scored 37. Listeners, Definitely colleagues, hey. colleagues, <laughs> let me read this. Read a couple of stats from yeah, this got, exhibition game. You got the paperwork in front of you. Final score was 137. The Cougars, I think Coach Huey played 11 players. So that's that's balanced. They had five players scoring double figures. The leading score, leading point total was 13 points from Mariah Mitchell and off the bench and Alexis Sanders, who started. 23 assists, saw 39 buckets. That's a good ratio. The 17 turnovers, was, that's kind of high, but Coach Lewis told us that he expects that. Yep. New offense, new system, et cetera, new players. So that's not too shabby. But 17 turnovers pales in comparison to the turnover 
total that Houston Tillotson put forth in today's game. Doc, I said Houston Tillotson scored 37 points. They only took 40 shots. They made 12 of those shots. That's, you know, whatever. They turned the ball over 51 times. Wow. One more time. They turned the ball over 51 times. 26 in the first half, 25 in the second. So they, they were consistent. At least they were consistent. They did. They were scoreless. They didn't score until, I think, six minutes into the ball game. Cougars forced seven turnovers in the first two and a half minutes of the game. So you got to – the tempo was set right there. Right. Were they uh, putting on the press or these were just uh, – It was some pressure defense. He started the second half and all for but, about four minutes and then kind of like just went to a, uh, a half-court so situation. But no, no. Out of those 51, yeah. 30 of them were probably unforced. Right. I think Houston Tillerson plays Houston Baptist yep. next month, I think, yes. non-conference. So I'd be curious to see what the result will be right. when HBU plays them. I think it's going to be in sharp gym. Yep. So we'll see how that goes. But 51 turnovers and only 37 points. Wanted to keep your eyes on. So that's that result. Uh, I believe the Cougars women's team starts the season this Friday on the road at North Texas. That's going to be a tough game for Coach Huey and, and the crew. So we'll see how that goes. While we're talking basketball, Rice Women host Prairie View, 6 p.m. tip-off on November 14th. I'm planning to be there for that, for some bragging rights there. You have uh, rivals, city rivals. Somewhat. Probably needs to be, it'd be better, more of a rivalry if we had a city classic like we've all talked about on this podcast numerous times. Absolutely. But 6 p.m. tip there. Rice and PV have played, ooh, I think, the last two or three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm looking forward Definitely. to it. See Coach Coach Don Brown go against Coach Greg Williams' squad. Splitting over the time. Yeah. I, I don't expect the game to be high scoring. I sure as hell hope it's not one team doesn't turn the ball over 51 times. I don't I don't expect that. Oh, both teams combined. Yeah, I hope that. Yeah. So, but I'd say I'd be surprised if the winning team scores more than 55 points in Friday's game. And while we're going to keep on basketball. Rockets lost Saturday to the Golden State Warriors, 98-87, to pick up their first loss of the season, so they're now 6-1 on the season. No Dwight Howard set out the game with flu-like symptoms, flu-like symptoms. No Patrick Beverly out for about a week. Hamstring, no Terrence Jones again, so they missed two games this week. Uh, Terrence Jones has a knee issue, so both of them, T. Jones and Patrick Beverly, be evaluated in about a week to see where their status is. They missed Dwight Howard tremendously. No inside presence, offense or defense, which made Andrew Bogut for the worst look like a star, look like a Hall of Famer. He had, I think, 18 boards, 18 boards and four block shots in 36 minutes. He owned the, he owned, apparently he owned the paint because the Rockets launched 41, 42 three-pointers. They only made 10 of them. So either they were afraid to go into the paint, Bogut, Scared, scared them so much, they just decided to jack up threes for the for the game. Because second half, they only attempted four free throws. Two in the third quarter, two in the fourth quarter. After the game, Kevin McHale, doing his comments, which you can go to Houston Round Bar View's YouTube channel and listen to the watch the post-game video, post-game press conference video. And he said, well, we took too many threes. Yeah. 
I would say so. We settled too. Many, we settled for too many threes. Indeed, you did. Trevor Reza was off. Was shooting well before he came home. Three for sixteen last night. Over six from three. But keep this in mind, Doc, Wildcat listeners, Rocket fans. Don't get frustrated. Trevor Ariza says that's the way we play. Quote: We shoot a lot of threes. Tonight we didn't make anything. The one thing positive I can say about tonight is we did a good job defensively, but we didn't do enough on offense. Really? He's honest. But really? he adds, I've got a way, I've got to find a way to get some easier baskets because I'm not happy with the way I played tonight. And he shouldn't be. The only thing he, he did well really was crash the boards for 11 rebounds. But oh my goodness, Steph Curry. Steph Curry put on a show last night. 34 points. He had 14 points to pull a, put the game away in the fourth quarter. And the game was, I think, tied 82-82. Warriors went on a 14-2 run, roughly. He scored 12 of those points. The other two points he assisted on. So he kind of robbed 14 points during that run to put the game away. This is how you shoot, Wildcat. 13 for 19 from the field, including 6 of 9 yep. from 3. That's, how That's you put a it shooter. Down. That's, That's a shooter. That's somebody that know what they're doing when they got their hands on the ball and they're getting lift. So there now, we I'm not go. talking about dunking either. I'm talking Correct. about putting Steph a shot. Curry is a, as we used to say growing up, is a professional shooter. Yep. Hadn't seen one of those in a while. We don't see a lot of that around here. So true. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Nobody has his has his eye for the ball when he's got his got his hands he's on it. He's got a quick release, great he's form. Away from somebody coming off the screen to pick. It's going up. I mean, he did a, did a great job rolling to the basket with some finger rolls high off the glass. He was just a pleasure to watch him last night. So we'll see. Rockets' next home game will be this Friday against the awful Philadelphia 76ers. So they'll bounce back there. I think they, their next game will be Wednesday versus the Timberwolves on the road in, in Minnesota. Minnesota will be without Ricky Rubio. is out with an ankle injury. I think it, right now he's out. Expect to be out about two weeks at least based on the severity of the injury. But now we got all that out of the way. <coughs> yes, sir. Doc, I hope you're ready. Doc. Because Doc. Doc. news came out about Doc. Pine Bluff, Arkansas Pine Bluff of the SWAC. Doc. I'm just saying your name, Doc. The, the court is yours. The Doc. floor is yours because reading the stuff I did read just made me shake my Doc. head. Because I just, I just, it's almost like, <coughs> why is this happening to HBCUs. I know it's not a, a, a self-contained thing. I know it's, it's, it's universal stuff happens, but it's HBCU and it's in the same conference and it's the same issue steady coming up. What what am I missing? I don't think you're missing anything. I think you're frustrated um, because of your past history associated with uh, following HBCUs and having people connect with HBCUs. Both parents are. So obviously, yeah, both, in this case, is really close. Yeah. Uh, with both parents being graduates of the uh, Golden Lions uh, from that framework. <clears throat> but there's two components that I want to put out on this. The first one is going to be a, a tough framework about HBCUs that I don't always like to do. But I think it's getting to the point becoming quite obvious that we have athletic directors and a commissioner in regards to the SWAC that are over their head in a lot of ways in terms of 
truly understanding the dynamics of the NCA framework uh, to allow this to continue to happen. So that's that's the biggest point uh, that that frustrates a lot of people is like, how can you continue to allow this happen? But the other part I do want to kind of partial this out so you understand the framework that honestly I knew these things were coming after I studied the case of Texas Southern University what took place there and really got a background of what took place and the NCA does audits uh, periodically on its division one pro program so Pine Bluff was just going through the audit and I knew once they went through it that they would be hit it's just a matter of when the news come out you saw it go through Texas Southern, then you see it went through um, Jackson State. I think Alabama State is about to go through it. So you'll hear another disappointing report. To take it outside of that, you've seen A&T go through it. So it's not just a swag thing. Unfortunately, in a lot of ways, uh, HBCU framework and FAMU is in it now. Um, and as I said, you'll see... More programs going through it than not. Hold that thought real quick because I would like all of us to dis continue discussing North Carolina's situation and their academic issues. But even that, at that university, still different at the problems we're seeing at the HBCUs. I'm glad you pulled that up because I was going to tie that in that I wanted people to also be aware that the problems that you're seeing at the HBCU is not only a condition of people in administrative positions not understanding the need to put the appropriate people in the compliance areas. A lot of folks are not as knowledgeable as they should be in regards to dealing with the compliance rules associated with NCA bylaws, uh, which is not an excuse from that thing, but it is a financial mean. Uh, it's one thing that I have reported on, have worked with a professor at Texas A&M doing research, Jeremy Cheeks, in regards to what we refer to as deprivation of HBCUs. And in my opinion, the purposefully uh, depletions of funds, both from a legislative state level, academically, and then obviously what we're more used to talking about athletically. Uh, from the NCA's leadership components. But I say all this to say that this, while it sounds very egregious with the numbers, you must also understand that D is a multiplier. So it starts to multiply quite qu quickly. So if you had, let's just say, for example, five players on the football team, they play five games. So you multiply five times that 11, 55. Uh, they played for two years because it came in as JUCOs. So that 55 turns into obviously 110 real quickly. So in a lot of ways, the number makes it sound a lot more egregious than it could be in terms of, yeah, with multiple sports, and that's not good. But when you hear, you know, 100-plus violations, you're like, this is ridiculous. But when you really sh break it down in terms uh, it could be to the point where it's not as many players as you may think, but it's the fact that those players literally played seasons, which happen to consist of 11 games, 
Could be the same player. Basketball players. could be 20, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it could be the same player over multiple games. And then if you play for multiple years, you just even multiply that times two. This is, in my opinion, no way comparison to what you're talking about, uh, UNC. So not to hide anything that Power Bluff or Texas Southern or the schools that I talked about that are going to go through and the fact that they do need to find the financial resources and the leadership that creates that. But one thing I will suggest is, as you've seen Texas Southern and reports of showing where their APR has taken place, that HBCUs, unfortunately, once they've taken this hit, and some of them are not because they're learning before they have to uh, take that hit, that they are right that ship. So I wanted to put that out clearly on the table. But this UNC issue uh, is in many ways quite disturbing. And so I don't want to take anything away from shining the, the light on this egregious action done by North Carolina, and the more we find out, there's no way that uh, anybody in their rationale can think that the 2005 championship uh, will remain. When you're talking about two semesters where 35 bogus paper classes were used during that period, and that was the fall before they made their championship run and in the spring where they actually ultimately won the championship, I'll say, on the court. Uh, that way, because I don't see how you show this to stand. And this is coming out of the News Observer, uh, one particular report, November 8th, by Dane, Dan Kane. Um, but when you look at the egregiousness and how deep, and you're talking about where it crosses multiple sports, as we looked at the lens of the Golden Lions, you're talking about 2,500 independent study courses. You're talking about among the roughly 1,100 pages we're supporting the material along a 131-page report about the documents that are associated with their report. Nearly half the 3,100 students in the classes were athletes um, that took these classes. Um, in the 18 years of the paper classes, men's basketball players accounted for 363 enrollments, average of about 20 enrollments per year. So you literally had people without question, we're staying eligible, getting papers to do this at a very high level. But the football team enrollment number in the classes is 1,377 during that same 18-year period. And obviously we know there's more football players on a, on a football team than a basketball team. But the problem that UNC run deep and – Touch on this because in the article that Doc is referencing, um, the academic advice, well, he was really, I want to get his name right because I don't want to misspeak here, but um, the, the gentleman on the coaching staff of Roy Williams, Wayne Walden, he was the academic counselor for the Tar Heels, gave the I guess she was the whistleblower we're still talking about, gave her gifts including tickets and North Carolina you know, gear and, and 
there's an email trail between the the two of them between Crowder and and Walden this is this is bad i mean the more that that comes out the worse this gets yeah and the fact is that they try to cover it up and try for 18 years yeah and nobody uh is really it, dealing it, and with what, that issue that they truly covered up and the people they affected were young african american men and women. boys at the time and women now we find out as well yeah that, that while you had these coaches european american adults that are making millions off of this cover up and they're trying to act like it's not that bad and as a quote um a part of the article in one email crowder, crowder seemed to be taking care to not have too many athletes in any one class she wrote that she could place an athlete in an independent study because, quote, I have added several non-athletic persons. This She wasn't a professor, but she was grading these papers. So, but I thought about this while Wildcat and I were at the, during the U of H blowout exhibition game. Wayne Walden was brought to Carolina by Roy Williams from Kansas. So I wonder if an investigation has begun into his tenure at Kansas. And Absolutely. if 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 anything involving academic issues took place at Kansas while Walden and Roy Williams were there. So this could just be a huge tip of a massive iceberg. iceberg. Oh man, it's and another thing is, is while this is probably the worst scandal ever, because you look at how deep it went and how many years that it went in regards to of any program, the other question I have is how much of this is part and partial about the business of the landscape of college athletics? Not necessarily to this egregious, but the framework that we know with students clustering in programs. We know that that's evidential evidence that has been proven several times over by researchers that have painstakingly taken the time to find that information out. We dealt with the issue that we know about the graduation rates that are not where they need to be. We also obviously know that they have these per, uh, special permits to let students in. Uh, below the academic uh, threshold that they've mostly agreed upon. So just how widespread is this to some degree is is another question I have. And in my opinion, I think it's a lot deeper than a lot of people would care to admit. Well, and I agree. And notice, have you noticed, and listeners, ask yourself this, when you see college athletics on TV and they introduce... The, the quote-unquote student-athletes, the players, as we refer to them, the players, during their bios. A few years ago, the bios would list the major for the players. Doesn't happen anymore. Correct. Doesn't happen anymore. And they don't even put them in the program No. Anymore. Correct. You have to add, basically, if you don't ask as, a, as an interviewer, you don't get, you never find out. Yeah, you'd have to. Because, because. Viewers began to notice, maybe even alums, whatever, 
began to notice the majors were all like the same major for the, the, the teammates. You know, it was communications or it was in the Tar Heels, University of North Carolina, you know, African-American studies or, you know, some of them. Forestry. For, thank you. Forestry. General basket studies. weaving. You know, there you go. That's a common one. General studies. Ag leadership. So, but you don't see that anymore. Should I keep going? Doc, you know, you and I both know that list is unlimited on, okay. on as I say, rela- re- related studies. I've heard that before, too. Related studies. What What is that? Tell me what that is, related studies. Studies related that are related. Studies. But, you know, oh, yeah, and uh, it's just. <laughs> Folks, it happens. So, but you're I'm right. just it's saying. Not, it's not in the media guides anymore. So, it's like, it's, I don't, I don't, even, I don't even know how to phrase it. I, I know. I don't want to call it a, a collective cover-up, but. It's a consortium. But some, I think it is a. a but a, what a else? What else am I Collective cover up from the framework is if we know that individual researchers are doing research to talk about clustering, and we're not comfortable with that research coming out. Uh, one of the ways we can make it more difficult for them to be able to do that research is no longer put it where it's right in their hands to get it. So you cannot tell me that they didn't purposely start doing this. And North Carolina's. So the question would be, before you get in that, if it's not a cover, why? Why are you no longer putting the majors of college athletes that you say are students first? Why are you not talking about the majors? Why are you not putting in the program? So I asked you, listeners, why is that happening? And is that okay with you all? Or you don't care about, you know, Let's see, there you, we you're, go. Not, you're not concerned about that. You're just happy that, that you know, Janice or, or, or John is out on the field, they're in uniform, they're out of your hands, and, 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 and they're getting things done. You, your kid is getting, a, get, is, is getting a scholarship, enough money to keep some of you all out of debt. You know, and, and down the road, they got a degree. And it's just like these proprietary schools that are uh, – Advertise on a regular basis. You know, it's for profit. At the end of the day, you got a debt. You got to pay back. after, And you get it. it well, you know, it's across the board now. It used to be, depending on what your what your major was in, you had a certain amount of time and all this to start paying back on your loan. But now, if you don't get a job making a full 40 hours a week or 35 hours a week within a certain time frame, you're responsible for that the money that you took uh, that, that was given to you, whether it was a grant, uh, payroll, or uh, financed or whatever, you owe that money back, and that's how they keep you on the hook. But Doc, how long before the NCAA investigation into North Carolina's issues is finished? Well, according to what they say, is it depends on where it goes in terms of the number of investigations they have on the books currently. So you basically so fall in on the line? Yeah, you fall in line. They can, in some cases, push it forward if it's about um, a Egregious. player like Cam Newton. Oh, okay. I think that was one of the cases where they kind of pushed it forward to make sure they'd have a resolution. 
So, but usually that's on the hands of the institution. So, for the that. school that so did, North Carolina would have to push for the okay. investigation right. to be. Well, then there you have it, folks. Away. Then they probably won't because they know the more you have it. investigated, they're going to lose that 2005 championship. Right. Plus, it's my understanding that they think it, they have a good chance to make a run for a championship this year. So, I think it would behoove them to try to push it outside of this uh, year, this spring for sure, to see if they can get that championship on the books if somehow they can get it done. That way, if the 2005 championship is taken away, they can kind of celebrate the fact that they brought another one in its place during that time. And it'd be a different way for them to try to sell, not only to their alums, to the people in general, that we have turned the page on that and turned turn the book, if you would, in terms of what took place and try to bury it. So I think they're going to try to stretch it out, uh, get it as much as the, they can outside of the peripheral people that like us talking about it. Uh-huh. So the longer they can kind of push it away and push it down, hopefully they believe other things that uh, may come up such that theirs won't be front page news. How long did how long did the NTAA investigate Pine Bluff? Do you have an idea? Uh, I think they. Well, that's just the audit, like basically. Yeah, I think it took like uh, a little less than a year, basically a semester and a half, pretty much. So it doesn't take on uh, average. Doesn't take a lot, great deal of time. But this is going to be different. That's why I said it's different in those two cases. The Pine Bluff case was relatively easy. Oh, okay. To investigate, because let me just go into the drawers of compliance. You pull out two folders. Listen to this. You pull out the folders (laughs) for athletics, and then you just check, and if there's some things that don't match in terms of a transcript here or uh, not as many hours, so it was a miscalculation in terms of credits from spring to semester or um, when they came into class, or when they came into the school, the transcript they had may have been a, a soft copy, and so the official one they got didn't match. So those are about more of about just um, clerical type work. And that's what I'm saying. That's even it's, worse. Yeah. A lot of that, that is more clerical. That's why I said a lot that they need to make sure that we have administrators that really understand this because this is about manpower. This is about the ability of that manpower to really understand how to uh, negotiate the compliance as well as APR. So this is that kind of stuff. The What yes, you because see North Carolina doing is they're going to have to go actually full, pull transcripts and match up to see – Exactly what this article just talked about. Is it true? You know, how many of those kids were actually in these classes? Listen to this, listeners. This is part of the NTA's release regarding Pine Bluff, which further goes to, as Doc has pointed out, the differences between Pine Bluff and North Carolina. And I think Southern Miss is now being possibly being investigated for issues involving football, maybe in men's basketball, mm-hmm. but Pine Bluff, over five academic years, the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff failed to monitor and control the administration of its athletic program. The university wrongly certified 124 student-athletes for competition, including nine student-athletes, and like I said, this is the NCAA release, that's why I'm saying student-athletes, because to me, they're, they're players, that competed before the NCAA. AA Eligibility Center, Center, the clearinghouse, certified their amateur status. The university learned of deficiencies in its eligibility certification process 
in 2009. That's a long way but back. But failed to con- correct the deficiencies which allowed ineligible student-athletes to continue to compete until 2012. At some point. At some point. The university did point. not correctly apply so progress toward degree. Yes. They did not correctly apply progress toward degree, degree credit hour, non-qualifier status, and two-year status requirements when certifying student-athletes as eligible for competition. During the five years, 124 student-athletes practiced, competed, or received athletics aid while ineligible, and a majority also received impermissible travel expenses. From 2007-2008 through the 2009-2010 season, 19 student-athletes from various teams competed when they did not appear on the official squad list, contrary to NCAA rules. So meaning if it was a home game, it didn't matter. If it was a road game, it didn't matter. During the same time period. Sometimes they would travel. Oh, that's even worse. During the same time period, the university provided books to 15 student-athletes who did not have a book scholarship. So some of this stuff is really basic Compliance, correct. I mean, in a nutshell, this is all compliance issues. So they have to have to vacate. And this is not egregious, over the top cheating. This is yes. This lack oh yeah, of, and, yeah, and yeah, because this is this is the thing that it really hits home. Which, it, which is sad in itself. Oh yeah, no, that, that, trust me, now. I ain't happy about it all. Did not provide adequate NCAA rules education and training to staff members responsible for certifying student-athlete eligibility. The lack of education and training contributed to the improper eligibility certifications and resulted in ineligible student-athletes participating in hundreds of contests. So that is what Doc's talking about, about administration not knowing what they're doing and the whole compliance thing. So that is a failure of the administration, period. Whereas North Carolina is cheating. So repeatedly for eighteen years. When when they say uh, failure to control your, that's what this it, is. It, it's it's the, the way it's. I guess what, what I'm getting at is the way it's explained about Pine Bluff and that situation is totally different than what you say. Not in compliance or failure to control yeah. in the UNC. Well, they, a lot of ways they lack of they lump them all together. Yeah, the, but, but but but. You know, when you when you're a common lay person off the street, you kind of looking at it. Control. Yeah. But I just wanted to point it out for the listeners, so one they could be just more informed about the process of the NCA, and the other way is what many of them already know, and there's a huge gulf between the have and the have not. Oh yeah. But I wanted to show them how it played out in terms of violations, but I also wanted to make sure there was a clear picture in terms of the difference in the violations. Uh, and I wanted the listeners, whether they tell us on Facebook, on the page site, do they feel that there is a difference or not? That is what we're saying makes sense from the framework. Or, you know, do they care as you said? Do they see it as a difference or, you know, is it a lie is a lie from that framework, whether it's a white lie or not? Those kind of questions I have. Because yeah, I mean, the bottom line, Cheating, 
academic fraud, lack of academic integrity is being allowed to continue because the administration, the alums, TV executives, fans are okay with it. Absolutely. That's the point I really wanted to get at. And that is a question that each of us has to ask ourselves, him or herself. Are we okay? See, that's why I, the hypocrisy of the NCAA referring to these players as student-athletes when many of them are going to class, many of them are being passed along through class, many of them can't read, many of them lack the fundamentals of reading and writing to even be in college in the first place, not even on a high school level, let alone a college level. And yet because they excel in whatever their sport endeavor is, people look the other way. And because that player can help them win a championship, which may involve sponsorship deals, uh, money from the alum, money from boosters, whatever. At some point, we should just, uh, we, all of us, society, needs to stop being hypocrites. Yeah. If you're okay with, with the sham of college athletics, say so. You know, and, and then you can have all the under-the-table cheating be on, be on the table. Yeah. And just tell it like it is. You know. Whoever can do it best, can do it best. Because we can, now we're going to shift gears and talk college football. One thing I wanted to close on that mm-hmm. is the fact that that um, faculty members, researchers, statisticians are looking at this issue. Many of the presentations at this particular conference that I told you about earlier, Nas, why I brought it up in that framework, so I could swing it back around, is the fact that this was a serious issue and component of many of the presentations with different statistical analysis to show uh, how hypocritical this is and how this is not national, just a one individual institution, that this is a national problem that many people are fighting it on many different fronts, whether it is the student rights uh, project by a professor now at UTSA coming out of North Carolina Central. They call it the Human Rights Student Athlete Organization. Uh, Whether you have some of the other organizations that are looking at this, Drexel, uh, different organizations are really focusing on this and trying to bring more light to this. So I don't think this is going away. I hope not, and it shouldn't. And we should not allow it to go away. We should not allow the, the talk of it or, 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 or to push it under the road. A little bit of all of it. I think the situations will continue. You'll see more egregious things coming up in North Carolina. And the reason is is because I believe that this is not an isolated case. Well, we, I, I, I put, I'm pretty much not naive enough but, to not believe that. Right. Yeah. But I think what you're finding out is that you have a lot more investigative reporters, a lot more whistleblowers, a lot more faculty that are more informed. Okay. We're asking okay. tougher questions. And that's why I say I don't think this is going away because you have a lot more people that are trying to pull uh, what the proverbial outside of the onion peel gotcha. off of it. When you, when you start peeling back, you when know, you the, the, back. getting to so the I core. I think people are doing more of the peeling ever before. So you're going to have your eyes watering a lot more 
than you ever thought you were. A lot of crying. A lot of crying down the road. Now let's take a moment to hear from our sponsor, THG Agency. Are you looking for business strategies and services in the areas of sports management, educational leadership, and project management for your sports camps, AAU teams, local business, or athletic department? Well, you come to the right place. THG Agency is the Heritage Group. It is a fully integrated sports entertainment, educational leadership, and project management consulting company focused on sports leadership and educational administration with six areas of consulting expertise, sports business management, educational sports assessment, data analysis, educational curriculum development, advanced leadership execution, and statistic solution consulting. Our services are well-defined but tailor-made for our clients we represent. For more information, give us a call at 281-330-1341 or email us at info at thg-agency.com. You can also visit the website at thg-agency.com. Thanks once again to THG Agency for sponsoring our podcast. Who are you, Doc? How can folks find you? Yes, I'm Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, a professor at Texas Southern University, a sports professor, if you would. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-E-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, it's D-R-K-E-N-Y-E-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. I do a weekly report <clears throat> on HBCU's top 10 for football, men's and women's basketball. As we're sliding into basketball, as you hear Chris talk about quite a bit, <clears throat> one of his more important institutions. Um, as we start to close out on football, we have some big matchups that we'll talk about a little bit as we transfer into that. Uh, but you can email me directly if you'd like to see those reports. You can email me at kcaville at th-agency.com. Wildcat? You can find me online at Twitter, TweetDeck, and Facebook at J.L. Woodley 1, Jerry Lee Woodley Jr., at YouTube and Blogger, blogspot.com, AKSV, the CSR, the College Sports Report. And I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review and accredited yes, online journalist. Doc. Accredited. He was, he was mentioned today in a conversation, <laughs> and a young man said, I must answer to him. I must give him an answer because he is an accredited journalist. <laughs> it was like, oh, my goodness. Wildcat enjoyed it more than I did, honestly. I really, and, and honestly. Let me tell you why. The young man was not afraid to say that amongst oh, colleagues. And it was like, oh, okay. And then it's looking, all, we, got, we got to look now. You we got to trust me. We got, you because it was some folks like. Rightfully so. There was some folks who had to look like, what does that mean? Right. Well, when you get it, you'll know. Right. <laughs> but right now, you ain't, you ain't got it. And so, I'm on my way to get it. <laughs> You ain't got it. You ain't on that list. So thank, thank you very much to that person, gentleman, who mentioned that and the Wildcat for, for bringing it up. But I, I, I am going to ask you this question. I'm going to let you finish. Uh, are you the only one in the state of Texas right now? Are you heading check? I think so, based on what I saw. I'm talking about on the list and yeah. I let you mm-hmm. that, was, that was posted in the uh, yeah, based on Basketball what I, Times. Based, based on what I saw in the Basketball Times article, I, I am the only one. Most of the other ones are, I mean, I think we're all of the 14 of us are spread across the country. 
some on the East Coast, Atlanta Coast, then West Coast as well. So, so, yeah. so when I mention, I, 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 know, I know one person, and that's the only person you all need to be paying attention to. Yeah, I in the state of Texas, I, I, think I can, so. I can, yeah, I can, I can, I can say that. Okay, so, that's yeah, all I, I want to know. I think because so. I'm about to do that now. It's basketball season. I'm going to let folks know. I, I, I know that guy correct. right there. That's a legitimate statement. It's a legitimate statement. That's all I want to know. Yeah. And uh, uh, give me, give me time ahead. to, yeah, to pull it up, but because it, it should be on our USBWA website now. I think they've updated the site because now we're in the basketball season, so I, I think it's on there now. The list of 14 online sites that have been approved as legitimate online journalists by the United States Basketball Writers Association. It was in the November issue of the Basketball Times, and apparently, we saw this on Twitter during the game we, that we were at, the Basketball Times December issue is going to do an article yep. on the San Antonio Spurs to see how much the Spurs, if at all, the Spurs NBA championship run this past season influenced college basketball teams in the style of play. Speaking of, that was mentioned on the, by the panel at Media Day by the American coaches, especially on the men's side, um, quite a bit about international players involved in the, the uh, American game, basketball. Quite a few coaches were didn't just push to the office for you know involving uh, not dealing with the recruiting situation and just finding them someone capable of having skills and all. On the same level, going about their business and bringing them in from overseas. Yeah, I don't think they should, but I think it's going to be a. I mean, it won't be at a wholesale, but basically, what they were saying was. It's going to be much smaller yeah. and difficult for us to even notice. We have to have people that have really the eyes to go figure that out. Because the one thing, I just think the financial means to put together what is necessary to really make the contact is a lot more difficult. Now, there's some individuals already that have. Uh huh. Some of those contacts that you'll see those kind of continue. You see that a little bit with Gonzaga to some degree, um, and you'll see it with some other institutions with that framework. But I don't think it'll be as big as it may seem to be. I just don't think the landscape will allow it to happen like that. And I, I agree. I don't, I don't think it's going to be. Though I like to see it more. I, the, the Spurs style of play, especially. Comp- on a college level, it's not really conducive. On a college level, because of the zone, you play the zone all the time. Uh, just, just not much ball movement, player movement on a college level. College, I mean, college level. I think the time that it takes to to allow players to be comfortable with that. It, it yes, is, it takes more than one year. Yeah. The one and done. Plus the time that they're allowed to do per week. Now, I'm not saying that coaches won't stretch that out. Right. But that's the, not The limited practice time yeah. does impact the ability to learn the Spurs offense. Because the Spurs, you know, and those players have been around, played with each other Thank you. so long that most of it is second nature. And the new players that they do add to the Spurs team, you know, those guys struggle because it's new to them. Right. So on a college level – and I hope I hope it seems you remember these are uh, professionals, and I exactly. don't think people often give the credit to professional individuals. Obviously, they know they're talented, but I don't think they also give uh, professionals the credit in terms of how much they work at their craft and how much of, uh, in a lot of ways, it is truly a science 
in a business in terms of them learning new playbooks. It's not just, all right, you stay in this corner. So whether you switch to another team, yeah, they'll change it. And you thinking that it's just a few changes. No, um, there are significant changes for a lot of teams in terms of play calls and playbooks in terms of the intricacies uh, in participating in the game. Let me read the uh, list of the endorsed list of my fellow online journalists who have been approved by the USBWA, allsportsdiscussion.com, bluestarmedia.org, cityofbasketballlove.com, eagletotem.net, hoopville, hoopville.com, you're truly, houstonrombarview.com, insidethehall.com, louisville.scout.com, metbasketballwriters.org, midmajormadness.com, netscoutsbasketball.com, pickandsplinters.com, projectshanks.com, and then umhoops.com. So I'm going to do some research and to see you learn about my... The cohorts, yeah. yes. I got to check that out. Y'all are a special breed right now. Because some of them, I can tell where they're located, and then some of them I can't. I'm not to look into that, but but I'm I'm very very honored of that selection. Stand alone, stand alone. So uh, let's talk college football, gentlemen. As as Doc continues to, we can do that. Be correct in Thank his you. assessment. Thank you. Of we can the do SEC that. cannibalizing itself. We like the Big 12 started to do that too a little bit. With the Aggies' upset win at Auburn. Yeah. That knocked Auburn out of the uh, yeah. playoff picture. Ain't no two. I was, this thought occurred to me. How many are down to now? Hey, two. Two ain't going to get you in. Uh, no how many teams are we down to now? Let's see. In the SEC with the legitimate shot. I think what, one? Well, after two. the after the two. Iron Bowl. Yeah, I'm saying right now. Yeah, Mississippi State. but Because the loser of the Iron Bowl is done too. Correct. So, yeah. And then the Mississippi State. You're down to two. And I, I think y'all were crying. And, 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 and Notre Dame is out too. Spitting. Right? Am I right? Oh, they gone. Yeah. Done. You know, no independence. Flip but but Coach now. over there blaming the quarterback. He's so bad. Hey. <laughs> yeah, he threw him under the bus. Didn't he? he threw him under the bus. Seriously. But but now. Coach, Coach Kelly. To, to their critic, there'll be a lot of two lost First teams. First, you to cry about the, the referee dies players. And these Does he are, take any responsibility, Coach you. Kelly? You, 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 you a grown man. You the head coach. You million dollars. You know, it's, it's, now these bowl games are about to it's about to fall into place kind of early. Quit. So this thought occurred to me. I wonder if there is anybody in the SEC giving any thought to what Doc has said, what you heard recently about the cannibalization that they are eating themselves, which ultimately will keep them. Two, 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 one, two, keep two, two teams, one yeah. Keep two teams from the conference in the playoffs in the four-team playoff system. If they'll start pushing for a crying for an eight-team playoff. Well, the only way right. that'll happen, it goes back because that the conversation came up earlier this week, and um, I was with, at lunch with some with some folks. If the right conference gets shut out, then it'll be another cry. Right, and I don't think that's gonna happen. I think you're gonna tie it in for a while. I think SEC. I'm talking about this upset. first year. But the way this falling out, even the SEC people that think so highly of themselves are going to be difficult. Uh, with two losses, they know. They're going to duck their head like everybody else. No bad. Because some of these losses they have, unfortunately, are not necessary to very good teams. So you'll have people now try to 
claim A and M is this and that, but there's no way Auburn people out there can say A and M is yeah, because A and M. Let's so put let's put this in you perspective. Look at Georgia's loss. Yes, to Florida a couple of weeks ago. Let's put this in perspective. So some of these Last losses week, are very bad. A and M scored struggled to score 21 points versus Louisiana Monroe at home. Yep. Saturday at Auburn, they, they rolled out 41 points on Auburn. But once again, that defense really his ugly head in the third and fourth quarter, and it looked like a bunch of crap. And it was it just by the and it won the game because Auburn fumbled twice in last Like, like I said, but the All football right. guard said, "Okay, you don't come this far. We don't take we're you. gonna take you the rest of the way, but you gotta pay attention because if you don't, you're gonna you're gonna miss out." And, and sure enough, at the end of the game, that fumble, bam! Wildcat and, and, and folks, went, I gave Doc kudos. I need to give you kudos for Ohio State. Yes. Because they put, they trucked <laughs> Michigan State yesterday and just ruined Sparty's dreams of getting to the playoffs. <laughs> so they're still alive. Jamel, I'm right. telling you, you. Wait a minute. I, I, I don't even I, call I, out my yeah, comments, but I, 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 she's I, out there far front and she's a true she alum of Michigan State. She talked about, you know, she was a marshal of the uh, homecoming parade this year. She was so excited about it. But just like my friend and my compadre and my coworker at the Toyota Center, Notre Dame went down in flames and so did Sparta yesterday. I tell you, yeah. I can depend on TG to put the gas to the pedal and say, hey, you stepped out on the field today and my God, I'm going to turn it loose. Ohio State, I have to give uh, Arizona oh, State jumped on when the, the way they jumped on Notre Dame yesterday. 55-34, the final score on that yeah, one, right? I have so, yeah. to give him some credit. He, he lost his quarterback. Everybody just thought the yeah. was dead. And then they definitely, after hey. they had that loss to Virginia And Tech that early. was in East Lansing. And that's, <laughs> yeah. So that's even more yeah. impressive. They put up three, 268 yards on the ground and, and turned the ball over twice. And, and Oregon and still Arizona ran over State there. matchup is uh, oh. winner of that game is in the playoffs. Yes. Yeah. And Baylor going to Norman. Oh, smacking. Smackin I mean, just the rock they will. And Put they Baylor back in the picture because Chris Baylor beat TCU, who TCU had a very, very impressive win over Kansas State, State Saturday. Yep. yep, they put a statement out there. Yep. But there was some crying, and but it was some folks had some legitimate excuse, uh, well, excuses and some statements on early morning ESPN game so, day. So, who are your four? Uh, Mississippi, right now, Mississippi State, Mississippi Florida State. State. Well, let's go with you. Chris. Those go two. First, it, we go with you. Okay. Mississippi State, Florida State, Oregon. And right now. Is it between? Right now, Mississippi State, Florida State, Who Oregon. finishes well in the in I'm going to say it won't probably be this way at Tuesday when they, they announce the newest Top 25, Kansas State. I mean, TCU. I'm sorry. TCU. So, TCU, Florida State, Mississippi State, and Oregon. What you got? Okay. Got Oregon. Uh, the two perennials, Mississippi State, Florida State. And for my fourth, after what happened on the road yesterday, I flipped a coin and... I am going with Baylor on this one. And that's fair because Baylor beat TCU. And, a place that they hadn't won since Artie's been there. 
But Baylor's road win at Oklahoma, it depends on how they, they weigh it because road wins should carry more, may carry more weight to the committee. Right. But Baylor beat TCU. I mean, TCU beat, I think K-State was ranked 6th or 7th. You know, six, yeah, 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 they, they in, were in back in uh, uh, K-State was in So they beat a, a better ranked opponent than Baylor did. Right. But Baylor won on the road. Yeah. Doc? Before I get my question upon them, can Duke get in if they beat Florida State? <laughs> Doc. No. <laughs> Doc, you remember how y'all – wait a minute, first of all, folks, I'm going to go back to this point. This Saturday. I'm going I'm to go, I'm 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 just answer that this way. You remember how y'all asked me at the beginning of the season, about two games in, after Baylor put that, this, this, put that big high score up? Doc, I'm going to look at you the same way. I don't think it'll happen. I don't think it'll happen. It, 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 it will, it'll look good. It'll look good. But it ain't going to happen. It, it won't even be just right there. It won't even be just right there, Doc. It, it, it when y'all the right. one saying it was going to be two or three SEC teams? Well, Doc. Watch out. Hey. Florida State's won 25 in a row, though. No, I agree. I'm just joking. Oh, no. I'm just saying. But the I, stat I, came I out. They've won 25 gonna, in a row. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see that Florida State-Duke uh, championship game. And they're still not playing well. Yeah, they're not but playing Florida well. State, That's the problem. They found a way to win games, though. I'm going with Florida State. Mississippi State. Okay. I'm going to go with Arizona State. Over Oregon? Okay. Yep. And I'm going with TCU. Okay. Real quick, we've we, okay, we got so much to talk about. Hold that <laughs> thought. we got a lot to get, a lot still to cover here. It was texted to me by my person that I called out, my friend that I've called out the last two podcasts. He gave us some things to kick around here. I want to talk about some boxing real quick. Many Pacquiao fights coming up against Chris Algieri. I saw Chris Algieri. Chris Algieri is an unknown. But uh, I believe he's going to get Pacquiao problems because he is a busy fighter. He's not a power puncher. But busy. he is active. Busy fighters. He won a championship. Busy fighters are dangerous. Styles makes fights. We all know that. If you box yeah, Styles make fights. Yeah. Busy fighters are dangerous. And I think he... I, I they don't, don't stand Pacquiao still. Can, they don't stand still. can hurt Algieri with one punch. So... I think the fight. I expect the fight to go the distance. I think it'll be a fun fight to watch. It'd be an action-packed fight. It would not shock me if Chris Algieri won the fight, though. Now, my 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 buddy is a huge Pacquiao fan, but even he he understands that Pacquiao passed his prime. And uh, so me and him may have to discuss have the friendly wager, Walter versus Reagan graduates, have a have a little talk. Well, they D thing. But Saturday last night, <laughs> old man B Hop. Bernard Hopkins. What's up with him, man? What's good with him? Fought Sergey Kovalev, and I truly, truly, before this fight, because Sergey Kovalev is is a heavy, heavy, heavy puncher. I expected him to just destroy and knock out the forty nine year old Bernard Hopkins in less than four rounds. So when I was able to watch it this morning. That the fight went twelve rounds. Oh, whoa! I was shocked. Ho, oh, hold up! Now it was unanimous. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> B Hop didn't. He, I don't think he won around. But it the went. That he stayed. The fact, and and in the twelfth round, he 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 was getting rocked by some heavy shots by Kovalev. But and after the fight, you know, Bernard gave Kovalev credit. Fought a, he said he fought a good tactical fight, and Bernard was asked after the after the. 
the fight? Why did you go toe to toe? Why did you decide to fight in that twelfth round? You know, <laughs> that's what fighters do, and that's basically what that's Bernard what they do. said. You know, I want to give the fans fans want to see boxing, want to see fights. So I wanted to give the fans what they paid for. So I took his punches, took his best shots, and he won the fight. Better man won the fight, and I gave him that. But this is. I, I want to give fans what they paid for. I don't get that. Max Kellerman, basically what Max was getting at was, Bernard, you're 49 years old. You're fighting a man, 31 years old, who is a known knockout artist. You weren't winning the fight. You weren't close to winning the fight. Why in the hell did you decide to go toe-to-toe to this man in the 12th round? And he took, I mean, Bernard took, he took him. He took, he took him. I, 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 I don't get it. I've said in a lot of a lot of post post fight interviews when it's when it's pool fighting, uh, I mean it was when it's pool pool Q and A, and guys that every fight somebody gets up and asks that proverbial question, and only guys that's been in the game for for the reason uh, that they're in it give that same answer. Folks paid to see a fight. Not two guys standing out in the in the, in the ring, squaring off, and just slinging all over the place, dancing around each other. They want to see some punches. Somebody wants to see some blood. Somebody wants to see all these things and all is coming into the price of that ticket. They want to see somebody get knocked out. They want to see somebody get up, get off the ropes, come back, and then pam. Now, because I don't know about y'all, but I've been to a couple of live from the flyweights all the way to the heavyweights, to the big guys. And I'm going to tell you, in, a certain, in, in certain arenas, when they get hit with a body shot, trust me, you can hear it all the way in the rafters because it's a solid sound and it, ain't, it, it sounds different. And I done seen Tyson hit somebody up close and I done seen it, watch, I done watched it on TV. It ain't the same. <laughs> it ain't even the same because all of a sudden you hear that shot and it's like the building got quiet and you just heard it. Bam! And somebody went down on their knees and just like toppled over. Fell into a lump. And let me say this to further tell me how shocked I was about the fight going 12. Kovalev dropped Bernard in the first round. Oh. And, I gotta go. And, and Kovalev. I gotta see this. He had never fought past eight rounds in his career, in his pro career. Right. So, so that the was fact a, that it went twelve rounds. That's what really surprised me because when I was four nine, he'll be fifty in two months. Right. He that's so, close. So yeah, I didn't know when his birthday was. So good. And he, God. Bernard, you could tell early. I think especially after he got knocked down, you could tell he wasn't good enough to beat Kovalev. So he was kind of in he the, the reactive mode. mode. He didn't throw a lot of punches. Mode. He wasn't very active in the in the fight. He didn't throw a lot of punches. He may have hoped that, hey, if I get this man deep, because he hasn't been past eight, maybe back and make some magic in the ninth through twelfth. It didn't happen it, it, either. And they all, they all get that. They all get that. But, but. four nine years old, light heavyweight um, championships, unification battle. Kovalev took Bernard two belts. Now this one champion in light heavyweight division. So I'm looking forward to that. You know, future bouts. I love talking boxing. I really do love boxing. The sweet science. I don't spend a lot of time watching. I, heck, I've been watching. What's it called? The uh, what's it? The, the, uh, uh, MMA. MMA. So I don't watch a lot of that. I just prefer boxing over MMA. I hear you. Some people. It's, it's, but Doc, real quick, we got a few more things. 
your thoughts on Comcast Sports Houston, Root Sports Houston. I think it's finally settled. No, no, not yet. Well, no, getting closer to be settled. Yeah, yeah it's pretty it's, close. It's, it's, March, I mean, November 14th, I believe, Root Sports Houston will be launched. That's this Friday. Yeah, because the, the, from what I was told it's on Saturday, the, the judge has to get signatures and everything has to be done before the next one can move, before Roots can move in. Comcast, uh, it's not an issue. It's just a matter of, you know, yeah. getting paperwork and all together. Yeah, one, one of the, the major issues is Comcast has, the, the lawyers has agreed basically to not fight yeah, this right. battle anymore. Yeah. And allow no appeals and all the sports Houston Direct TV and controlling interests and yes, start moving. And then I think it's a big thing for the fans of the city to be in a position where you can obviously watch your hometown. Hopefully, from a uh, business perspective, I think it's uh, very significant. Now you get to really move on and start the business process of generating profits and and making maneuvers. It'll be interesting to see how far this trickles down, though, in terms of uh, your professional teams and your high-profile college teams in this area. Because you, based on Rice, had deals, had coaches shows with college sports. And so I'm interested to see and how I'll that find out tomorrow. and how far that will uh, move the tilts and what will it do possibly for uh, Texas Southern or even a uh, That's right, Houston Baptist. Right, or, yeah. Or, you know, what is that component of it? So I think uh, – those are the three ways I look at it. Obviously, for fans, very exciting move, very good day. Uh, people don't have to shift around trying to figure out where their rockets are. Um, and but uh, from the business platform, it's a it'll be something we need to continue to keep our eye on to see how it'll play out in terms of the direction of the. Let me know if, if either you know. Will the rockets be on the a basic tier? I, I will a, ask those questions. A, a premium tier where fans I mean? have to buy extra, pay extra to watch the Rocket games. I don't, if, I don't if know. The person I, if, I, if the person is supposed to meet me tomorrow for lunch, if that person shows, everything will be fine. He said if he didn't make lunch, it'll be because they were. It was some some way somehow it was a kink with being somebody was pushing back. Right. But if I see him tomorrow, if, if he meets me for lunch, I'll know and I'll get that message out to the two of you all, and then we'll. Decide how to, you know, not so much discuss it, but I actually write it up to where the framework is. Because right. is, is, I don't know if it's going to go to the page. I think it's going to be find a way to be a basic. That's, that's, so what, they, I, that's what I told they, Because they got to build an audience. How before you, you, you've got to build an audience. And some of the, some of the, the area readings, the area um, um, overlay maps, depending on where you are, it may not, it, it'll be set up different. Absolutely. It may be a pay and it may not be. It just depends on you know what uh, whether it's a residential, a residential home, or commercially like apartment complex. Uh, those we, those situations are before different. Before we get to your HBCU update, Doc, I want to say that I forgot to mention this earlier during my basketball recap. Rice Owls men's team won their exhibition game Saturday afternoon, I believe. Saturday evening, eighty-two sixty-four over Letourneau. So uh, head coach Mike Rose picked up. His, he began his era as well. You know, it's been a while. That's, that's a lot of coaches that we picked up. Uh, so we have a lot of new coaches in the Houston area. And, and one, and one. Well, as you start talking about the HBC landscape, that may be something that we need to keep an eye on too. 
in terms of what is going to be the platform of coaches in this area. There are a lot of rumblings out there with a lot of people unhappy with their program. We talked about the FAMU gate, if you want to call it that, uh-huh. a couple of years, weeks ago. Well, this past week, it was Barlow Gate, uh, with him getting the message of being asked or requested, however you want to look at, to resign. No. Uh, so things are getting quite uh, interesting. Obviously, Jackson State, things are not turning out well. There was an incident between the athletic director and some frustrated people up in there where they got into a oh, uh, but a verbal altercation uh. where she was asked to leave the suite. So it'll be interesting to see that's going at uh, Jackson State plays Texas Southern this week. Uh, I'll be at that game. Interesting. It gives Texas Southern a chance to have a winning season. They're at five and five, uh, three and five in the conference race. So that'll be something to keep your eyes on in regards to what took place there. With Jackson State at one and at six, three and seven overall, uh, losing like six straight games. It's it's been a tumultuous time for them. Alcorn State has clinched the East Division. We'll go into that a little more. Prairie and M, not to make things even worse for the Golden Lions. Homecoming weekend, um, yeah, beat them down, yeah, uh, which gives. Prairie View a chance to uh, have a 500 season facing Alabama A&M uh, this weekend as they travel up there. So those are some of the teams that are outside the top 10 regional that I thought it was important to kind of point out what took place there. And let's get to it in terms of the major division. We'll find and give the mid-major love second because actually they had some bigger games or big games really coming up this week as they plan for conference championships. This week. So let's look at the top five. Not a lot of change at the top. These teams are rolling. Some changes at the bottom, but I'll give you a chance to see that tomorrow if you follow the report. You can email me directly at kcaville at thd.com <coughs> or you can go to onadon, www.onnidan.com and see as there's full report release tomorrow. But to give you a little tease, top five. Number five, Auckland State Braves, 72, 5 and 1. Defeated easily, 41-14, Alabama A&M Bulldogs, 3-5, They're calling them the baby Bulldogs as they're young, and they were not ready to bite even though they were at home against the Braves, which allowed the Braves to lock up and clinch, as we said, the Eastern Division Championship, the first one ever since the uh, formation of the divisional alignments. They will be right here in Houston in RG weekend. They can have a passionate fan base, so look on for them to show up, show up loud and proud uh, with the Tomachalks, even I, though I, I hope, have some. I hope they show up with some. A lot. They will show up. Yeah. Uh, people may have some <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're it'd be, be, be mad folks, but yeah, they'll show now. I hope so. They'll show. With the Native they're American sure. issue, oddly enough, from HBCU programs, I, I, I kind of have some concerns on that, but I won't touch on that. Number four, Groundland State Tigers, 73-7-0. They continue to roll. They just continue to get it done. Thursday night game, 35-7. Mississippi Valley State Delta Devils uh, continue to kind of struggle as they close out the season. Again, they had their big win against Jackson State, which lets you know how much Jackson State is struggling. That's the first time uh, Valley defeated Jackson State down there. The Tigers continue to roll this week. 
they host a top 10 team in number eight, Alabama State Hornets, who got back to their winning ways is Alabama State. Thank Anybody goodness. that needs to Thank get back goodness. to their winning ways, they just need to play Jackson State. That ain't good, Doc. That ain't good. That ain't good, Doc. No, it's not. Number three, Bethune Cookman Wildcat, 8 2, 5 1. They just continue to play hard. Three teams at the top of the MEAC and top of this pole are all at the top, and they find a way to kind of separate themselves. So as we go down the stretch, it'll be interesting to see what these three teams, they're all fighting for a championship automatic bid because they don't want to get left at the playoffs. So that's one to keep your eyes on. Can the MEAC get three teams in the uh, playoffs? It's probably a stretch. Defeated 13-7 to Norfolk State Spartans. That was another ESPNU game. That game was very interesting. Norfolk State Spartans were actually leading late in that game. 7-6. Uh, to six. Then uh, a safety to change the momentum of the game. Oddly enough, a safety. That's not good. Cookman over the Spartans uh, to take a lead 8-7. They got a field goal off the short field, uh, obviously, to take it to 11-7. And then, uh, as Norfolk State was trying to make a desperate attempt at the end of the game, uh, Punter made a mistake. Uh, well, well, Punter did a great job, I should say, for Bethune Cookman. The, re- the kick returner actually did a bad job of not fielding the ball. The ball was basically touched down on the one. And Bethune Cookman did it again. They got another safety to really seal the deal. Wow. So they had two safeties in the game. So I thought that was interesting. I wanted to make sure uh, that that was played out. And that was on ESPN. The Wildcats are open this weekend, so they have an open date as they move forward to try to close out the season. Number two, North Carolina a Aggies, 8-2-5-1. They're rolling. They defeated a top 10-ranked Morgan State Bears. They shut them out 45-0. The Aggies are looking very good. They're probably the strongest team uh, overall, but uh, they did have that head-to-head loss to South Carolina State, and that's kind of where things stand. Aggies won't have a problem next week as they travel to face Savannah State Tigers, who are trying to figure out how just to get through the season so they can rebuild uh, going into next year. The Tigers are 0-10 overall and 0-7 in, in the conference race. At number one, we just talked about the fact that South Carolina State has those big wins over both North Carolina and and Bethune-Cookman, controlling on destiny. They found a way to go to Florida and soundly beat the Rattlers 34-17 as they continue to move this week. They will travel on the road. They'll go to Maryland to face the Morgan State Bears. Uh, So that should be another interesting matchup that you want to keep your eyes on moving forward. So that'll do it, the top five programs as we've talked about. Or... Moving forward, Alcorn State Braves, number four, Grandma State Tigers, and number three, Bethune Cookman Wildcats, number two, North Carolina A&T Aggies, and number one, South Carolina State. Let's give some love and look at the mid-majors. Big games played this past weekend. Not a lot of change at the top, but boy, you're talking about a tremendous weekend for a championship game. I'm going to start with just the top four teams here because they're the ones who are in the business of playing football. They're playing for championship. You have number four, Albany State Golden Rams, defeated 32-21, the Fort Valley State Wildcats. That was the battle of state bragging rights. Albany State brings it home. They will face Tuskegee in the SIAC championship game. Tuskegee is ranked in the top four, so that's the top five type of matchup with solid teams. At number three, Virginia State Trojans, 8-2, and 7-0. As you see, these teams have clean records in terms of what they're doing in the conference. So 
you love to go that far, but it'll be very hurtful if you can't bring home a championship with it. And these teams are playing for playoff rights. So keep your eye on that as well. Defeating 33-12, the Virginia Union Panthers in that matchup. The Trojans will travel to North Carolina to face off against Winston-Salem State in the CIAA championship game. Uh, Number two, that's Tuskegee. Number one is Winston-Salem State as your manager. So that means you have a one versus three in the CIAA and a two versus four in the SIAC. That's nothing to shake your head off uh, to some big-time mid-major quality. Sounds like you know what you're doing. One other team I want to throw some love out there, though. Langston Line. Been a while since I heard from them. They rank number five. Well, you're going to hear from them now. They're going to make a run into the NIA playoffs. Really? They are 6-3. and three, Okay. 5-0 and oh in the Central State Football League just win that conference. Uh-huh. So they should get the automatic bid. But they're playing some very good football. They defeated Southwest Assembly of God 38-10. to 10. They've won. They haven't lost a home game on campus in the last three years. Oh! Uh, so this is a, some talented team. The coach actually came – uh, out of the McNeese program playing down there. Okay. So some, you know, quality football played over there, obviously. And so keep your eyes on these lines, as you said. Yeah. Uh, They're serious, and they want to make some noise. they looking to get on some swag schedule. That won't happen anytime soon. I don't think so. But remember, that Grambling and Prairie game are not supposed to go down in the State Fair Classic. So Lincoln, Langston, is supposed to be the team that takes the place of Grambling for a one-year uh, stint oh. in the State Fair Classic. So be interesting to see if that continues to happen. That might end up being a, a tough matchup for the Prairie Vienna Panthers uh, next year as Langston Lions are rolling, as you can see. So that gives you some uh-huh. idea of top five programs, what's going on there. Uh-huh. Shout out to those programs. That's the way it's looking, top five programs again. Uh, number five, Langston Lions. At number four, Auburn State Golden Rams. At number three, Virginia State Trojans at number two, Tuskegee Golden Tigers. And number one, Winston State, Winston Salem State Rams. Big time matchup, CIAA Championship Trophy on the line this week, SIAC Championship Trophy on the line this week. And as we said, Langston Lions have already brought home their trophy this past weekend. Kind of wrap it up, gentlemen. But before I do, We'll have more, we'll try, let me say that, we'll try to have more information on this, but women's college basketball seems to have a problem. Schools are suspending players due to academics, due to missing class. Off-campus situations? Off-campus issues. This is not what I have in mind when... I say, well, I really don't want to see this happen, but this is not what I believe people have in mind when they say they want to see women's college basketball get more like the men. Or at least I hope not. I don't, at least. So, LSU suspended indefinitely uh, Danielle Ballard, and that's indefinitely. I'm not sure what indefinite means. We'll find out. But suspended indefinitely from game competition, and that. Seems to be part of a. That's the phrase of the key that's phrase. A, that's the key phrase. Because Several that programs. was on November fifth. November eighth, Texas A&M suspended 
All America. I think she, Courtney was. I know she's SEC first team preseason. Courtney Williams suspended indefinitely for games for violation of team rules and athletic department policy. But she is eligible to practice with the team during the suspension period. So both players can practice with the team. They just can't play. So I'm kind of curious as to what that really is, you know, violation of team rules. Whereas Tennessee Lady Vols suspended four players, and based on the quote from head coach Holly Warlick, it's because those players missed class and or did not sit in the first three rows of the class as is required of the uh, players. So two of those players will miss one game, and the other two will miss two games, the first two games of the season. Oregon suspended their, no, no, excuse me, dismissed their best player, who was a freshman, leading scorer, I think she averaged 20 points, she was the top freshman scorer in the country last year, dismissed her for violation of team rules. So, all these things happened in the last, this past week. College basketball season starts Friday, November 14th. On the women's side, we'll see if anyone can stop the UConn train from cutting down the net for a tenth time. Wildcat, Doc, nor I believe anyone will be able to do that. Correct. But we'll but, see. But the coach said he don't know what he has until he starts playing games. That's Gino Bangino. Yeah, yeah, he can say that. But he, you know, he also said that he's that. not sure. <laughs> exactly. I'm just throwing it in, folks. But he also I'm just said that because he hasn't seen at the time because we haven't seen any other teams play. So once he gets a look, gets a gauge of what other teams, how they look on the court, there may be some teams that match up, cause Huskies right. problems. Let's just put it like that. I don't believe anybody's going to beat it. Nah. Beat it, especially when com- once conference play starts. Because one team has a shot. That's USF, and that's you know. His phrase was, if you make an attempt to get one or two of mine out, you only have one or two. All I got to do is look further down the bench yeah, he, and yeah. make a replacement, and it ain't going to be a whole yeah, lot dropping all off. Americans. See, because that's one thing talking about referees, depending on how they call games and the teams hack and be more physical, try to play the Huskies physical and get their players in foul trouble and just beat them up and say, well, you to your players file out, you know, you may not have All-Americans. To, to my players file out, I have more All-Americans on the bench to, to choose from to put in the game. So. He's telling them don't do that. So he's telling them the yeah. truth. <laughs> and he, he, he was being honest. He's telling them don't do that. So. You know, don't get embarrassed. Don't embarrass don't yourself. Do I'll be at uh, the, the House of Tudor. This Friday for the Rice Isles <laughs> versus Prairie View. Looking forward to that low Y'all scoring game. Y'all killing it, man. Y'all killing it. And I hopefully try to catch the end of the Rocket Sixers, which should be a beatdown game with tips off Friday evening at 7. So I'll try to do both of those things. ESPN tips off their college. This week, ESPN has their Salute to Veterans Week. Uh, all the athletic uh, sports. But Friday with the start of college basketball season, they'll have some games. Uh, with a salute to veterans theme, including Rick Pitino coaching against his son Richard Pitino. Is this the first a, time on an aircraft carrier? Is this the first time they've no, coached they, against you? They, I, maybe once, maybe once. 
Louisville against Minnesota this is the a matchup. First time I know it's been this highlighted in this kind of format. But uh, I, hey, college basketball season is here. Thank goodness. Football playoff. We'll see uh, who the uh, final four. Excuse me. The, these current four will be announced on Tuesday. But the Armed Forces Classic, which I think is a made for an ESPN event. Louisville, which they have many of them cause, because they, they are the mothership. Yeah. They can do that. Louisville and Minnesota will face off in the third installment of the Armed Forces Classic. This year from United States Coast Guard Air Station. Oh, my gosh. I should have read this earlier. Borican in Aguadilla, Puerto Rico on Friday, November 14th. Did he just do he, that? He got, he, got, he got through that. He got through that. I see. I should have put your name up for the for the, oh, for the I, I, PA announcer at HBU when they was looking my, for one. Oh yeah, I, I can I can speak the Spanish. I may not be able to comprehend it, but I can speak it. And that's all they my, needed. That's all my they wanted. tongue can roll with the Spanish. Now that's I can all, do that's that. That's all they asked was, could you were you capable of, of pronouncing European foreign name? So you know, I, the next time they put this time, yeah. up, I will throw your hand, name in it. But the game will be played in the Coast Guard hangar. At the east end of Rafael Hernandez International Airport, which houses uh, their four MH-65 helicopters, their station is located on northwest tip of Puerto Rico, approximately 80 miles from San Juan. I like the way that is. And the game starts, I think, at six Houston time. So maybe I, I have it on the laptop while I'm watching PV and Rice. But gentlemen, college football season is here. Keep in mind, we have the Houston city of Houston is hosting the men's one of the men's regionals. Yep. In March. Yep. And the Gavi Lewis Award banquet for 2015 to announce the high school player of the year, boys high school player of the year, as well as the top ten players, yep. will be March 27th. Okay. At a location to be de- de- determined, gentlemen, both of you are invited. Thank you. And I. Also, want to invite you to participate in the upcoming conference call in December. So, y'all both on the clock, on blast right now, publicly. I'm saying that. Is it because we have actually, I have an actual phone now that I can do that kind of thing? Well, actually, the members, we're members of the board, we're encouraged to invite other people to participate in the conference calls. So, so, I'm doing that as well. Okay. Okay. All right. So, okay. That's good. But, All right, uh, that's, but yeah, we can do that. That's and that'll be March 27th. Okay. Is I think Friday, and uh, I think uh, the Houston Regional is Thursday and Saturday. I think semifinals and the final will be Saturday. Need to check in that. I need to need to verify that because if it's a conflict, which I, I'm pretty sure the guys looked into this before we agreed on that date. But yes, Gavi Lewis Award will be presentation will be on March 27th. Mark your calendars for that, listeners. And you, I'll give you more information the closer we get to that event. And you are invited to attend that. It will be the third, I believe, third year of the banquet. So, actually, no, this will be a fourth, yes, because we had three players win the award. So, yeah, it'll be the fourth year that we held the event. So, we've had a information-filled podcast, as usual. Thank you for your suggestions, list. Thank you for your topics. Be sure to catch our podcast on SoundCloud.com, on iTunes, on the HoustonRombardview.com website, on Twitter, because I'll be tweeting the links to the podcast as soon as I produce the the show. So you can tweet it, retweet it, as my colleagues do, as 
as we have listeners favorite the tweets and tell their buddies about the podcast. This was a good one. This was a very good one. Thank you very much for your time, gentlemen. We do what we can. We do what we can. Doc, you still have your KCOH show? Yes. And you can listen to me every Tuesday, KCOH, 7 o'clock, right after legendary Ralph Cooper, who's on from 5 to 7. I come on with my group inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Ryan McGinty, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, uh, leading the way, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, with the Hour of Power HBCU Sports all kinds of the latest, greatest, looking at the HBCU diaspora, cultural identity, and more. The bands, homecoming. We'll start looking at, obviously, some of the matchups for the CIAA, SIEC championship games. There will be games this week. And we'll start looking, going down the stretch, handicapping uh, what looks like just a two-team race in the SWAC, obviously, with Grambling State and Southern fighting for the Western Division after Alcorn State Braves has locked up the East Division. And then we'll look a little closer into the MEAC with it looks like a three-team race between Bethune-Cookman, North Carolina A&T, and South Carolina State in regards who will be a, the individual, if not maybe a couple, to pull out those races. So we'll also start to chip in a little bit about basketball season as it's around the corner. I'm trying to make plans to see if I can get on the trip to go see Texas Southern when they played Norfolk State Spartans up there with that Division One matchup between the SWAC and the MEAC so I can give you a full in-depth notice of what takes place there. So I'm excited about that as it takes place in two weeks as well. Thank you very much for that. Do you have anything, Wildcat, you want to wrap it up with? Well, let's see now here, folks. Besides Aaron Rodgers winning a fans football league game? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He's a great man. He finished. He, 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 <laughs> he picked up where, where Brett Favre has left off in the in the green and gold. And I'm gonna tell you, folks, I'm a happy person today. I won my day. I won my day. And uh, the other thing that I and I'm gonna close with this: the folks are being restless in the Cougar Land. There are tweets coming in left and right about their situation, folks. It's, it's, it's the season is winding down and. I think somebody's going to be on the hot seat. Mm. And I'm going to leave it like that. But I will, uh, uh, but on the uh, serious note, the Comcast situation, I will find out tomorrow. I'll, I'll know around lunchtime. Look forward to that. And with the radio show on KCOH, if you are not local and you want to still listen to it, you oh, can yeah, get yeah. the app. KCH. Let, let them know. Uh, Twelve thirty. You can get, get the app. Get the what? You can get the app. K switch. The app. Yes. Yes. K-Switch yeah. Yeah. That, that is an app. That's an app. No stuff. Yes. yes. Check it out. You can, I can go to the, the I go to the Android store or the Apple store if you have that and get the app. Yes. You can yes, get that. Yes, now. Wow. And it works really it well. Work. I've listened to it HD. several times. HD. Uh, wow. On the road like that. Or, HD. Yes, sir. Or if you you can uh, you tune go in to com and do. Or if you have a an Android phone, it will. You can go to TuneIn Radio, and we'll pick it up, and it's all HD. You, I mean, it's AM is not AM. It sounds like the FM station back in the day with the growl. On good, it. good deal. That's uh, good, 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 very good. Glad to hear that. Thank uh, you for that info. I like learning something new. And you know, news it, will come out. Maybe transition to the ownership of the show as well. No, uh, but it's a positive thing. No, yeah, very good, very good. Okay. Thank you as always. Also, at that time, you know, we'll we'll also know by the time you step on Tuesday night. 
They have been answered for the four. Outstanding. This is great. I like this. This is great. <laughs> and uh, no, I don't have a rant. Please. I don't have a rant today because it's, it's, that person got the message, and some friends said, "Jerry, you were right," and 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 doing what you did because print journalists need to know if you're stringing for a national website and it's to be posted on the web page and used around the world because that's what the internet does. Have your facts together. Excellent, excellent, excellent. As you can tell, y'all, I'm calm about that now. Yeah. End on a high note. In conclusion. Yes, sir. Be true. Yes, sir. Be cool. Yes, sir. And do more. Amen. <laughs>